You're listening to the Pastor Chat Podcast, a ministry of the First Baptist Church of Dadeville. Episode 7 of the Pastor Chat Podcast. I'm your host, Forrest Jones. And Zach Brown. And Ben Hayes. And today we're going to talk about the subject of how did I get caught in this mess? Um, We're going to be talking about a subject everyone loves to talk about, sin. Okay, I don't really know that anybody loves to... Well, actually, no, people like to talk about sin as long as it's not their own sin. There you go. Uh, So unfortunately today we might step on your toes Because I know even in the sermon yesterday, Brother Ben went stepping on people's toes, mine included. So, all right, Brother Ben, will you start us off with a little recap of what you talked about yesterday? Well, the the fun thing about it is, Forrest, that there is one sermon that people hate to hear more than the one about sin, and that's the one about tithing. So I was not at the bottom of the barrel yesterday. We're not even to the question about what we're sermon next week's on yet. (laughs) Well, here's the issue. We we live in a society that is um, addicted to lots of different things, everything from alcohol to drugs to food to pornography to, to all sorts of uh, sexual uh, immorality. And uh, sadly, we've gotten away from the idea that these kinds of behaviors are sin. Uh, we've started calling them sicknesses, disorders, diseases, illnesses, uh, mental issues, and we have have labeled them in such a way that we tend to forget that the scripture says from the very beginning that these types of behavior are sinful behaviors because they are against God's commandments. And, and one of the things that that we need to realize, even if we look at our own lives, and this is this is what the sermon is about, is we get caught in this kind of a situation. Not because we wake up one morning and say, hey, I think I want to get addicted today. I mean, nobody does that. I've uh, talked to a lot of people over my 39 years of being a pastor who have struggled with all types of addictions, and not a single one of them thought that they would ever become addicted. They thought that they could uh, fight it. They thought they were stronger than that. But inevitably, because of the decisions they made, they found themselves going down a path that they shouldn't have gone down. And I based the sermon yesterday on the story of King David and his uh, illicit affair with Bathsheba, and it's found in 2 Samuel chapter 11. But as you read that story, you see the steps that that he took that that led him to that place. And and you could probably find uh, a half dozen other uh, ways to categorize uh, these steps, but but I listed three. And and I think these three summarize for the most part, how we end up in a life of, of sin, sinful behavior, even addictions. And the first one of those is that we find ourselves being in places that we, we shouldn't be. That's what King David did in a time when he was supposed to be leading his armies in war. He shirked his responsibility and decided to stay home, send Joab off with the army. And uh, so he found himself with with really nothing to do. And you remember that old idiom that uh, idle hands are the devil's workshop. 
Well, a lot of times that's what we end up doing. We we find ourselves with with too much time on our hands, and that always leads us to make decisions that we shouldn't make, to do things that we shouldn't do. Uh, and, and so often, if we would just do the work that was before us or do our studying or whatever it might be, including just praying, we would not uh, make those same choices and end up in those places that we shouldn't ought to be. Second, uh, King David saw something he shouldn't have seen. Well, while he had all that free time, he decided to walk around and he saw Bathsheba, who was bathing on a roof. Now, she wasn't trying to be uh, immoral in any way. It was just something that was done back in those days. Uh, and David should have just turned away and, and uh, forgotten what he had seen. But instead, the, the Hebrew word there, when it says that he saw her, means that he looked intensely at her. He stared. He kept looking. And because of that, he was filled with lust in his heart. And, and of course, uh, so often that's what happens uh, to us. Uh, I used a statistic yesterday that says that uh, 64% of Christian men, now these are, are men who are believers, uh, struggle with uh, the sin of pornography. And 15% of women do the same. And it's easy for us to, to understand uh, this, this difference because psychologists and psychiatrists tell us that uh, while men are stimulated by sight, women are stimulated more by touch. But that rule is not hard and fast. And, and so you have 64% of men who are Christians, 15% of women who are Christians, who see things they shouldn't see and get sucked into uh, a sin or an addiction to pornography that they find is almost impossible to uh, to escape. And, and then because of that, they end up making decisions that they shouldn't make, just like David did when he had every opportunity to do something different. He still uh, brought Bathsheba into his bedchamber, and together they committed sin and, and because of that suffered the consequences that uh, they did. But you know, this message yesterday was only partly about getting caught in this trap of, of sin uh, because the, the the most important thing, because here's the thing, all of us sin, we all fall short of the glory of God, but the most important thing is what we do after we sin. And human nature tells us that we, we uh, ought to cover it up, and that's what most of us do. We try to conceal it. How do we do that? We lie about it. If, if lying doesn't work, we try to deflect the blame onto someone else. But we find ways that we can hide the fact that we've committed sin. And that's as old as the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. Uh, it's what we do. The problem with concealing our sin is that uh, God has a way of, of revealing it. The Bible says, whoever conceals his sin will not prosper and that everything that is hidden will be made known. And God has a way of doing that because he loves his people. And he knows that by concealing our sin, we're bottling up inside of us and the, the infection just continues to spread and does more and more harm to us. And so instead of concealing our sin, we ought to confess our sin. And, and in that confession, we find forgiveness. The Bible says if we confess our sins, that God is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And it's in that confession that we find uh, the forgiveness. But so many times that's where we stop. 
And we see this over and over again, even in, in Christians who get caught in, into, in this behavior that they know is wrong and they're grieving over. So they confess it to the Father. They repent of their sin, but inevitably go right back to it. They, they fall back into the trap of that sin. And because of that, they, they have a problem getting out. So I think there's another step that we need to take, and I brought this out yesterday, and it's not one that is very uh, comfortable for most Baptists because we believe in the the priesthood of the believer and the fact that uh, the only confession we need to make is to the Father. But I believe that as believers, we ought to also confess our sins one to another. I think we ought to find a brother or sister in Christ that we can trust and and share the the burden that we're we're struggling with with that person, so that they can hold us accountable, so that they can pray for us, so that they can encourage us, so that they can walk with us through the uh, addiction, the sin, whatever it might be. And in doing that, we not only have the forgiveness that God gives, but we have the healing that enables us to step outside of that addiction, out of that bondage, and and walk the, lot, the, the walk that God has called us to. I, I love the way you break down the choices that lead us to sin. I think that's how you call it now, Alan. Um, I want to hit on those a little bit because I, I remember this discussion um, with my youth pastor growing up and this idea of, you know, couples are struggling with, um, you know, not doing something they shouldn't be, you know, um, and that discussion of the Lord's not going to tempt you more than you can uh, stand up. There's that idea of like, well, yeah, that's that's what the Bible says. And what that means is that there's going to be those opportunities for red flags and caution and, and all of that. But if we're not careful, we'll run right past all of those and then get to a point where we're right there at the cusp of doing something we shouldn't be. And then we'll be like, how did I get myself? Or how, I'm trapped in the situation. Why isn't there a way out? Well, there was plenty of ways out. You just kind of made some choices that got you there in the first place. Um, so you talked about being in places we should not be. And I know you mentioned that David was at the palace. Um, I love the way it starts. What is it? In the time when kings go out to war, David's at the palace. <laughs> yeah. It's just kind of a very obvious, like when he's where he should not be, uh, you know, it's, I don't know if the Bible story can start with, you see what had happened was <laughs> David was there when he should not have been. Um, but, you know, for one of the things you mentioned just then is, is so true for us. Um, it's almost like the moth that is drawn to the flame. It, it, it flies around closer and closer, seeing how close it can get until it flies just too close, and, and then it, it gets burned. And that's what we do as Christians because we, we have the spiritual arrogance about us. We think that we can play with sin, and, and all the while we find out that, that really sin is playing with us. We're, we're trying to see how close we can get without stumbling into it, but the problem is, all of a sudden, it reaches out and grabs us by the throat and drags us in. Yeah. Well, this is kind of a, a terrible example, but I don't know if you heard the story the other day of the woman who got um, killed by an alligator in South Carolina. That uh, this you can look it up. It just was the other day uh, during all this COVID stuff. She went to somebody's house to do their nails or hair or something. She gets done. And is leaving, and there's a gigantic alligator in their front yard. So this is like Hilton Head right there on the marsh. And so she goes over to, like, take a picture with the alligator. And the couple whose house it was, an older couple, they're like, listen, 
don't near it, get near that alligator. We saw it drag a deer into the pond just the other day. And so her statement is, don't worry, I don't look like a deer. The alligator grabbed her and drug her into the pond. She broke free, stands up in the middle of the lake and says, won't do that again. It grabbed her, took her back under and killed her. Oh, I mean, that's a really graphic example, but I couldn't help but think of it when just, you know, you're just hearing you talk about it. That is sin. Yeah. How often the arrogance that we approach it with of, well, I'm not like them. I won't fall into this. I mean, I will go ahead and confess I've lived a pretty clean cut, you know, all American boy life. I've never used drugs, any drugs. Um, and I look at people, you know, you, you hear these horror stories of people on meth and crack and all that stuff. And you're like, how did you ever like, what was the sales pitch that got you to try this the first time? And the answer is no one ever thinks they're going to be addicted. That's right. That, you know, that nobody looks at it and says, I want to be an addict. I think it's a good, you know, glorious life. Um, that was a discussion we had with our kids yesterday. So, um, one of the things we've been doing is our new family service. And and so uh, you preached the sermon yesterday in front of a room full of children, which um, I'm going to go and say I loved because um, one, our parents need to hear the the truth and they need to hear sermons that are there to feed their souls. And even when their children are in the room. Um, and so I loved hearing you just preach the word boldly. And um, the other thing is, as parents, we a lot of times don't want to talk about uncomfortable subjects that we don't really know the way to explain them. So uh, talking to your kids about drug addiction or pornography or any of these things, you're, <laughs> I know, at least for me personally, a lot of times I'm like, oh, I'll wait and talk about that when it seems more appropriate, which statistics show us by the time we think we should talk about it, they've already been talking about it. They've already heard about it. They've already seen it, unfortunately. Um, and so you know, in some ways it's good because that means your kids went home and probably said, mom, what's pornography? And, uh, yeah, I posted some resources last night, but you know, again, if there's things like that and you're like, I don't even know how to talk to my kids about them, get with us. We'd love to help you talk about that with your kids. Mm -hmm. Um, because I think that hits on your second point, um, seeing things we should not see. And it can be easy to look at that and think, okay, well, if I just shelter my children enough, if I can keep them completely isolated, then they'll never see this and it won't be a problem. But I think the example you brought up of David and Bathsheba is a great example. Bathsheba was doing nothing wrong. She was actually bathing to ceremonially cleanse herself. You know, that, that's what it says in there. And she was doing what culturally was accepted, which was for her to go on her roof and bathe. David sees her, which was a rather incidental thing, but then his gaze lingered on her. Yeah. We live in a very sexualized society. I mean, yes. I think we all would agree on that one. And even if you say, well, I'm going to be this people, we're not going to have TV. We're not going to, I'm trying to think of how, I, I can't even think of a way you could isolate yourself enough to not see it. Um, <laughs> we, it was funny. We, so we had the, the book that I put online yesterday was uh, like good pictures, bad pictures. And it's just an easy way to kind of talk with kids about if you see pictures, you know, if you see nudity and those kind of things to look away, alert your parents, you've seen it, that kind of stuff. Well, right after Karen had gone through that book with our boys, we're driving down the road and Anderson's like, mom, there's pornography. And like points at a billboard. Well, it, 
it was a guy. It was like a, a swim, uh, a swimming pool ad with a guy without his shirt on. And he's like, mom, it's pornography. Like, okay. Well, no son, that's not pornography, but I like the way your mind's thinking. There. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, and, and you're right because you cannot go to a, a shopping mall. You cannot go to target or Walmart. You cannot uh, let your kids have a tablet or a phone uh, without them being exposed to this. So we've got to deal with it up front before they get uh, trapped by it. And one of the things that uh, that that I experienced when I was in the youth, I had a, a guy who, who was in the youth group with me, and his go-to thing, especially around this time of year, was always he kind of fell into one of those things that, that brother Ben talked about yesterday of kind of trying to deflect his problems. And it was always like, well, I don't have a lust problem. I'm just a guy like, but I can't go outside without seeing a girl in shorts. How am I not supposed to look right? And, and that was his, his approach to this. And, and, and yes, there is something to be said about, you know, you make a, a conscious choice depending on, how you dress, where you're going, what are your intentions? Is it, hey, I'm going to wear shorts because it's 99 degrees outside and I live at the lake? Or is it, hey, I'm going to dress like this hoping somebody looks at me? Like, yes, there is that there is that, that aspect of it. But at the same time, how much uh, of this, it, it's so easy to shuck that blame onto somebody else. Like, well, well, I wouldn't be looking if, if, if they'd cover up. But, but at the same time, how does that how does that get into when we are talking about pornography? How does that same thing cover up on or carry over onto like your computer screen? Like when it's always somebody else's fault, what about when you're the only one in the room and it happens? And so I, I think that that one of the things that, that we try to, to highlight to, to students is um, what we call kind of taking it from the website that you got the statistics from Covenant Eyes, that idea of you can't always control the first time you see something, but you can control your, your reaction to it. Um, are you going to be the kind of person who is going to say, well, I mean, it's their fault for dressing like that. Or are you going to be the person who says, Hey, it's my fault for continuing to look. Yeah. And I think when we start talking about that, idea, it's, you know, being placed, you're not supposed to be seeing things you're not supposed to see. Um, and I think what we're already kind of talking about is that making decisions that we shouldn't make. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the idea that to be accidentally exposed to very sexualized images is going to happen. Mm -hmm. um, the difference is when we go back to it. Yeah. We, if David had seen Bathsheba turned and walked away, then we would not have this story we're looking at. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and instead he stands there and gazes and then sends somebody to say, hey, who is she? I want to know who she is, right? Um, and then makes decisions that we should not make is the, that's where we're at. You know, we've already done these other things and we're end up making decisions. Now, they might not be to go steal somebody else's wife, but, um, you know, if you have lived very long, you're going to know some people who have probably cheated on their spouses um, and, and don't hear this to be that we, as the ministers here, that your pastors are saying, y'all have, have this problem and we would never, because we all know guys who have had promising ministries and who have thrown that away because they did things and they were places they shouldn't have been, looking at stuff they shouldn't have been looking at, 
Uh, and they end up making decisions that they never would. If you had asked them, they would have said never in a million years. I would never make that decision. Um, and now their ministries are ruined and their families are affected. And there's just all these, these problems. Um, and, and kind of looking at this and, and thinking about marriage because, uh, you know, marriage is one of those areas that the devil loves to attack. And, yeah. um, you know, you, I've never heard of a situation where you have a physical affair that was not preceded by an emotional affair. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, that's that kind of idea of you need to be looking at what you're doing. Um, and I think if we're just going to be honest, <laughs> okay, well, so we were talking with our kids one time about this subject and about lust. And, and I think we were even talking about um, David Bathsheba. And I came up with the term, the hey, hey eyes. Like, I was trying to explain, like, you're talking with your kids. You don't know how to say it. So I was like, okay, well, you know, I mean, you see that girl, she looks pretty. And you give her her, your hey, hey eyes, you know. And uh, so that had just kind of stuck. That's been our term. So uh, feel free to use it anyway. But the the hey, hey eyes. And the thing is that if we're not careful, um, we can get this idea that, um, I'm trying to kind of say this. Basically, even if you're married and you can have the most wonderful spouse on earth, there will still be some people that are very attractive. They maybe have great personalities or whatever it is. And when you're going through life, you're going to meet this, these other people. And, and that's, that happens. And um, I've, you know, been to some marriage count, uh, uh, conferences and things, heard some big name speakers on it. And a lot of them have talked about the fact that even these guys, these big names in marriage family stuff, they'll tell you they've been tempted because they're human and there's going to be somebody who talks nice to you, looks pretty, whatever it is that you'll feel that little bit of a spark to, mm-hmm. you know? And so we, we can be, um, I think we can kind of fall into that romantic movie. Like there's only one person that'll ever make your, you have the hey eyes. And so we can pretend that's not a threat, but it, but what I've always heard is, when you realize that, when you realize that you're going to the coffee pot at work and Sally is at the coffee pot and y'all really hit it off, you need to stop drinking coffee. Like that's just, you need to run from that temptation as fast as you can. Um, and don't pretend that it's not happening. Um, yeah, I mean, and and that's one of the things that, uh, taking off on what Zach is, was talking about, we can't control what, what other people do, but we can control our choices and we can set ourselves up for success and the, the ability to avoid these, these issues. Uh, for example, one of the things that, that I do is um, when in my office, you'll notice that uh, my computer is set up where my screen is facing the door. Uh, because I don't want anybody to have any doubts as to what I'm looking at on my computer screen. Uh, Sonia and I uh, only use our computers in the living room. Um, we both have access to our our passwords, our, our pins on our phones. Um, we try to make sure that that each of us knows what the other one is doing because we want to be held accountable to each other. Uh, for what we're seeing, what we're watching, what we're listening to, what we're doing. And and that's what you've got to do because the temptation is too great when you're trying to do something in secret. And guys, hear me. If if you're having to delete your computer history every day or every other day, then there's a problem and, and you need to deal with it. 
but this is not just about sexual sin. That's that's the story. But this is this really has to do with any type of addiction, whether it's alcohol, drugs, smoking, um, whatever it might be, food, gambling. Uh, this is the same process that that affects every one of those decisions. Being in places you shouldn't be, seeing things you shouldn't see, making decisions you shouldn't make. And the way out of it is the same as well. It's confession and, and help from your brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah, and like we said earlier, this isn't something that like we are a bunch of pastors looking out on and saying this is something that you need to do. I mean, if you look at this story and you, you have this parallel between David and Uriah. I mean, David was the man after God's own heart. He was the 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 king who danced before the ark, and yet he was the one who was in places he shouldn't have been, seeing things he shouldn't have seen, making decisions he shouldn't have made. While you had Uriah, who was a, a soldier, who was where he was supposed to be, who who was on the battlefield, and who when David pulled him off of the battlefield to try and, and frame him, he wouldn't go home to his wife because he said, this isn't where I'm supposed to be. This isn't what I'm supposed to be doing. I need to be where where I need to be. This is something that that, that is so easy for us to fall into. And while, while, again, while it might not be something like, you know, taking a guy's wife and sending him to, to get killed, I mean, it, it can be you know, a, a whole range of things. You, you mentioned a lot of, a lot of different sins that, that we're drawn to. I mean, things like, um, like your, your comment about, about like potato chips, like that was one that hit home. Cause mm. I'm one of those guys. I'm like, man, I don't really have anything else to do. Why am I hungry all of a sudden? You know, <laughs> you're, <laughs> a you're sitting, meeting, yeah. yeah, you're sitting there watching Netflix and you just find yourself looking at the pantry, you know, like, like, and it's, but it's something you go to and, and yeah, it's a, it's a silly example, but, but there are things, I mean, we, we replace our, 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 you know, position with God, with, with food, we replace it with, uh, with, with friends. I mean, we replace it with, with relationships. Um, even if you're not in a relationship, even if your problem isn't lusting after somebody, uh, how often do we try to like, you know, find our identity in who we're dating at the time and, and, and having to be in a relationship right now and feeling like, like we're a broken person if we aren't in a relationship and we're not married by the time we're 30, right? Like, like these kinds of, of things, if we're not careful, we start to place all of these lesser things in a position where that's what we're what we're chasing after and replacing God with all of these worldly pursuits and and before we know it yeah we we find ourselves in a place where we don't even really know how we got here we didn't just wake up here all of a sudden like like there was a a a, a process that got us to this place where we are right now that we didn't even realize because I think a lot of times we look for those big sins. And Brother Ben, you, you mentioned yesterday, you started off and you said, this isn't just a sermon for people who are those big, bad sinners who do those, those you know, really bad things that we think of when we, when we think about like big sins. This is for all of us because no matter how big or simple our sin may seem, sin is sin and sin still separates us from God. And if we're not careful, as long as we are giving in to even these little sins, we're we're going further and further away. Yeah, again, you know what you're saying, Zach, is is so true. And while you were talking, it just hit me. Um, we are so often easily tempted to trade our intimacy with God for a bag of potato chips. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that is 
a horrible thought when you get down to it. Yeah. That's something I've come to kind of realize over the last few months, just realizing that all of these sins are a form of idolatry. I mean, that we are, you know, we think we're smarter because we, you know, we, well, God has said we shouldn't do this, but I really enjoy it and nobody's going to know so I can get away with this. Or, yeah, I, I need, if I could just be in a relationship, then I'll finally be happy. Well, so what you're saying is that Christ is not sufficient for you, that mm-hmm. you're finding your happiness in some other person, um, which I don't want to ruin your dream, but they're not going to make you happy. Mm-hmm. Like there might be a chance that sometimes they'll annoy you. Um, so <laughs> are you going to edit that out? <laughs> well, with my track record, probably not. I'll forget to edit it out, but I love you, baby. Um, all right. So I want to spend a few minutes. I know that we're we kind of going along already, but in you find yourself, you've, you've messed up You're you've hit rock bottom or, or whatever that moment is. You realize that you have messed up again. Um, but, but is it that there's no hope now? Mm-hmm. Have we gotten to the point that, you know, does David's story end with he did all these bad things and then God struck him down and said, that's it. I'm done with you. No, that's the, that's the wonderful part of, of David's story is that God loves him so much and he loves us so much. He'll do the same thing for us. But he loved David so much that he sent the prophet Nathan to confront him and to make him realize the depth of sin that he had fallen to. And, uh, of course, Nathan tells the story about the, the sheep. He says, you know, there's this rich guy who has all these sheep and he's got a friend coming over. So what does he do? He goes and he takes the sheep of his poor neighbor who only has the one sheep and slaughters it to feed his friend. And David just goes ballistic and, you know, says, this guy ought to die. He ought to have to at least pay this over and over again. And, and Nathan, you know, points his finger at him and, and says, you're the man. You, 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 this is what you've done with Bathsheba. You've You've got all these wives. Bathsheba, uh, Uriah had one, and you've taken Bathsheba, and and you've sinned against God in in doing that. And it immediately, because David was a man after God's own heart, he was convicted and repented of his sin. And God does that for us as well. Uh, he will send people into our paths to show us the right way. He will bring us to a, a service like we had yesterday where we are confronted with with our options. Uh, Or maybe it'll just be as we're reading our Bible and and he shows us the 51st Psalm. And I would encourage you, if you're struggling, to to read the 51st Psalm and make that your prayer for this week uh, as you cry out to the Father, asking him to do for you what David asked him to do for him. Um, Because that is the only way to begin the journey out of this, this bondage that you'll find yourself in. Yeah, I think one thing that we need to talk about is um, if you're listening to this and maybe you're not in a season that you're you're feeling very tempted or um, you, know, you haven't been struggling with anything, maybe what you need to be praying about is how you can um, be receptive to somebody confessing to you. Uh, I had a pastor one time and one of his famous quotes was, the army of the Lord is the only one that shoots their wounded. Um, and I thought yeah, that was 20 years ago that I heard him say it, but it has stuck with me in the fact that we in the church are not always the best at having people confess their sins to us and helping them come out of that. You know, we, we tend to like our people 
with this kind of fake image of perfection. And we don't do well when people tell us that they're human and they make mistakes. Um, and so I think that's something I've wrestled with is how do we as the church do a good job of telling people, hey, you come to us, we're going to help you get restoration. Um, and that doesn't mean there's not going to be consequences, but that we can work through this. We can get you restored um, by helping you come to the Lord and, and do those things. What are your thoughts on that? Well, Forrest, um, before you ask the question uh, at the end of the podcast, what I'm preaching on next week, I'm going to go ahead and tell you up front, uh, it has to do with this. Uh, we as believers can sometimes be extremely judgmental. And that's what I'm going to be talking about next week is, is, is what it means uh, when, when Jesus says, judge not lest you be judged. Um, but we can be judgmental. And, and it's almost as if we, we put on this persona that says, I'm perfect. I, I never sin. So if you sin, then you're somehow less than me. And when somebody comes to us and says, hey, I did such and such, we're shocked and, and we, 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 we shun them. And, and even worse, we begin telling everybody about what this person has done. And what we've done is we have crippled the body of Christ when we do that. When what we ought to do is recognize that according to God's word, that all sin is sin. All sin is punishable by death. There's nothing that you can do that's worse than anything I've done. And so when someone comes to us, they're looking for help, and we ought to embrace them and, and tell them, look, yeah, what you did was wrong, but there's hope. There is, there's healing, and I want to walk with you through this to help you find it. And, and I think that's so important. Like, we are called to... Yes, we focus on we're called to love people, um, and, and that goes for people inside the church. Too often we look at that and we think like, oh, we're going to go on a mission trip because we're called to love people, but we're called to love each other too. Um, and, and part of that is um, tough love is still love, and we can go with each other. And, and when people come to us, you know, we can we can love on them and help them walk through these things. Um, because so often that's exactly what it is. People don't want to confess their sin because they don't want to be viewed as, you know, quote unquote, less of a Christian or less of a person or, or they don't want to, to be categorized as one of those people who do that. But we all have, have something that, that, that gets us. We, we all have some kind of weakness. We, we all have our kryptonite. Um, it, it might not look the same for everybody, um, but we all have something that is that one thing that we know, like if we are, if, if we are tempted with that, it is a lot harder for us to say no than it is for something else. Um, and, and I think a lot of that comes from being empathetic towards people. I, I think that that's something that we have a hard time in our society doing, um, is being empathetic towards other people, um, putting ourselves in the situation of, well, if I was going through what this person is going through, what would I be feeling and what would I want out of somebody? Um, because that's ultimately what we as Christians are called to do is, is to have, have empathy and to have compassion for people um, and, and to walk this alone. I mean, the, the old... Uh, 
saying like, no man is an island is what, what comes to my mind with this. None of us are called to do this alone. Um, and none of us should have to, but, but too often we feel like we need to. Um, even going back to, to the Garden of Eden, I mean, when, when Adam and Eve sinned, what was the first thing they did? They went and hid to try and cover up their sin. Um, but, and, and I know in my own life, too often it's, it's so easy to retreat. It's so easy to, to, to feel like you can't tell anybody what you're doing. You know, you can't, you can't, you can't tell people about that. What about, um, you know, I, I teach Sunday school, you know, I'm leading people and I'm falling into this sin. I can't tell people, what do they think of me? You know, but we all have that and, and we should be able to come together and we should be able to build each other up. This shouldn't be a place where we tear each other down. Yeah. And I think that's to me, one of the things that the more I have learned the Bible um, and you start looking at um, these men that are, are primarily throughout the Bible, um, you <laughs> Women, you, you actually get a pass. Y'all, y'all tend to come out better in these stories than us men do. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, but when you start looking at the, look at the heroes of the Bible. If we want to use that term, we're going to look at the, the all stars here. We're not even looking at the minor supporting characters. We're going for the big names, right? So you've got, uh, let's see, strongest man in the in the Bible. You've got the godliest man in the Bible. You've got the wisest man in the Bible. You've got the guys who walked along with Jesus every day. You got the guys who had this amazing transformation experience and got to see heaven, all of these things. And every one of these people, if you were writing a story of how to be the perfect Christian, these guys are not it. That's it. I mean, they are all a bunch of rejects if you really look at it. Mm -hmm. And the good news is that should give us hope, you know, because we can look at those guys and say, these guys are a bunch of knuckleheads that did some pretty bad stuff uh, and fall into sin, all of them. And, you know, God knows us and he knows what we're like. He loved those guys and he loves us um, because at some point you're going to fall into temptation. And and so when that happens, that's not the end of your journey. It is not, this is over. And again, this is something I have to tell myself too, because what the the devil wants us to think is, well, you've blown it. It's over. You're done. But that's not God's message. God's message is, I've got you. Let's get you back on the track. We're going to get you back on the path and moving towards, uh, you know, that day when we'll be united with Christ in heaven. But until then, we got to get back on the journey. And, um, you know, I think that's where we as brothers and sisters in Christ can come alongside each other, encourage each other, um, you know, challenge one another to do better. Um, but we shouldn't look at this and say, well, once you've messed up, you're, it's one and done. You're over. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the truth is that it doesn't matter how many times we stumble and fall as long as the number of times we get back up is plus one. That, that's all that counts. We may stumble and fall into sin a hundred times, but as long as we get up a hundred and one times, we're okay. I think we as Christians here can also learn a lot from, from Nathan. I mean, mm-hmm. it, we look at, at chapter 12 and we see uh, the Lord sent Nathan to David and Nathan was able to, to help David see what he was doing. The Lord was able to use Nathan. And in the same way, like, like Forrest said earlier, um, 
sometimes even if you're not the person who's actively, like you're not listening to this podcast, trying to figure out how to get out of, of, of a sin addiction, maybe, maybe you're the Nathan in this story who, you know, the Lord wants to send to help somebody else with this. Um, I, I look at uh, another parallel. I, I love like parallels looking at, at two different stories and looking at like David and Solomon and looking at the differences between these two kings, Solomon being the son of David, both of them did great things for the Lord. I mean, Solomon built the temple. David, you know, was, again, he was the, the, the king after God's own heart. He was the, the chosen king from God. He, he, they were great men of the faith. And both of them had, a, had a, a point in their life when they had this falling out. Like David had Bathsheba and Solomon had... A lot, but um, <laughs> all those other women. Yeah. yeah. Um, but there was the big difference between these two was there was a point when David faced with the reality of his sin, made a conscious effort um, through people like Nathan, helping him to see this, to, made a conscious effort to return to God as to where you've got somebody like Solomon who waited until it was too late. And God came to him and said, no, you're, you're done. I'm, I'm taking the, the throne from you. It, it's over. And, and seeing this, we can be the, the Nathan. And again, there's nothing we can do to change other people. This isn't saying that you're going to be able to go in and magically give somebody a heart change and help them to stop sinning. But we need to be the people who are who are able to walk with each other in community to where we can see each other falling we can see each other stumbling and we can step in and help pick each other up. Um, because just like your story with the alligator, there comes a time when we've gotten too close and held off for too long. And now all of a sudden it's too late. Um, and we don't want that to happen to anybody. You know, we as, we as believers shouldn't want that for anybody, especially each other. Um, so it's true. Absolutely. I think it's a good word. Um, all right. I think it's time for, we move on to some more lighthearted fair. Let's see what our question of the day is going to be. It's Forrest's turn to pick. Oh, that's scary. Let's see. All right. Now, this isn't really kind of random. Um, and compared to the other ones we've had, this is actually a pretty good one. So we're, we're doing pretty good. <laughs> Would you rather glean crop uh, cr glean crop leftovers from a farmer's field or make bricks out of mud and straw? We're, we're going some Old Testament stories here. So do, do we have to find our own mud and straw? Well, that's what I was wondering. Oh. I mean, it seems to me, is this pretty... <laughs> Pre-Moses showing up and making things worse or not? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I'll go ahead and say I'm going to glean crop leftovers. I think that's the safe one. Yeah. yeah I, I think, think that's the safe one. Yeah. Um, I mean, because really that was God's way of taking care of strangers and, and foreigners that came into your land, right? And the widows. And so that's, that's God's goodness right there. Yeah. The bricks with no straw that you had to go find your own straw and make a brick. And if you didn't, you got beat. Mm. I'll admit, I'll be lazy. I'll go pick up some some wheat out of a, the edges of a field. Uh, I guess I'll go with y'all. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we know that uh, you already shared with us next week's sermon. Um, 
again, there are a lot of great resources out there about the stuff we've talked about today. Um, if you need to talk to somebody, let us know. Um, and we can talk in confidence about anything you're struggling with. Again, you're not alone in any of this stuff. Um, and if it's something you're just looking for some resources to maybe talk to your children about or uh, walk through uh, as a couple or something, we can guide you in that direction as well. Um, but again, this is an important topic and uh, you're not alone in the struggles you may be having. So, all right. Well, we will see you again next week. Bye.